Welcome to the Synaxis Podcast. A Synaxis is a liturgical gathering. It can also refer to an unveiling event. The Synaxis Podcast is a weekly gathering hosted by yours truly, Scott Jones, for the purpose of finding the life-giving healing word of the gospel and the words of the weekly lectionary passages. Join myself and a guest each week as we explore the lectionary text together. This is the place for gospel-rich, grace-saturated, and a properly worldly lens on the week's lectionary passages, all in 25 minutes or less. My guest is the Reverend Kenneth Tanner. Ken is a pastor of Church of the Holy Redeemer in Rochester Hills, Michigan. He writes for numerous websites and magazines, including the Huffington Post and Sojourners. Ken, welcome back to the podcast, my friend. Yes, blessed Advent, man. A blessed For Advent. To second you, to second you as well. week. Yeah, third uh, week. Actually, uh, third week. Well, we're in the second week. We're coming up on the third Sunday. Right, you're right. Well, we're coming up on the third Sunday. We, we've entered the second week. And uh, yeah, I'm just trying, you know, and, and if our listeners, uh, people who, because we have people who listen who are preachers, and we have uh, people who would listen who are just trying to understand you know, the process of preaching, or they're trying to understand the scripture more, they're trying to have an encounter with Jesus in the text. And and so if they're not familiar with um, Advent, you know, it's a time of, of waiting, and not just for God to come at Bethlehem, but for God to come at the end, which for us could be at the end of our, every it's social, in the terms of the end of history, and for all of us, and it's personal. Um, not only in the sense of our own personal end and God coming to us at the end of who we are, but also like constantly showing up and interrupting um, our life by uh, appearing in, in bread and wine on tables and appearing in the poor, appearing in the prisoner, appearing in the sick and so forth. So it, it's like, don't get, we, we try not to in these traditions, try not to get caught up too much in the frenzy leading up to Christmas but to spend some time in preparation and really being prepared for the one who's coming yeah. in, in all these different ways. Yeah. I love that. For, like Fleming Rutledge talks about that in her book, the, the, the three advents of Christ, the, the first coming of Christ, the coming to him, like you're saying, word and sacrament and the poor and then stranger, the poor, and then the, the final coming, the hope that in ad, an advents, all of, you know, we, we, all of these things are advents. Yeah. And these, these texts uh, today are obviously talking about, um, uh, you know, judge showing up um, yeah here our up. first our first reading is from isaiah yeah. isaiah is as, as i uh, we called it with mandy last week that's, isaiah. Why, that's how i do it isaiah yeah. 35 1 through 10 here we have this prophecy that god will it's the saving portrait of god healing you know healing the land healing the weak you know opening the eyes of the blind and the deaf's ears being opened and the lame walking and you know and there and then there's the conclusion that's you know probably the most prominent prominently remembered part of the passage this this the highway shall be there and it'll be called the holy way and the unclean are not going to travel on it and um yeah th- there won't be um lions there or any ravenous beasts uh, and the, but it's it's the it's the highway of the lord the redeemed and the and the ransom of the lord walk on it so so it's a beautiful picture of messianic hope yeah and and um we see some of these themes of course you know, elsewhere in scripture. And in fact, you know, the passage from Isaiah last week, um, where, you know, it's talking about how these predators are now lying down with, um, uh, you know, um, the, the ones that they preyed upon. Uh, there, there's throughout the scriptures, this idea of a, whole, a highway um, to Zion and, um, you know, this image of water 
and um, and and new life coming from uh, these from springs and pools and and uh, so it, it brings a lot, you know, uh, to 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 cause this vegetation to come forth and the desert to bloom and so forth. The summary of of many themes in the Old Testament. Yeah, and, and these things are all kind of connected to right. This is holistic. That that here you have. You know, the the land will be healed. The land will be, be fruitful. The the poor, the 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 sick. You know, the and there's and there's no threats. You know that 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 the the realm of God's people will, will no longer be a place where they are preyed upon. You know, by and you think about the lion. I mean, it's interesting because in last week's reading, there's all these animals laying down with each other, and they're all clean and unclean lying down together. So, like all the clean animals yeah. are ones you can domesticate, right? And the unclean ones are ones that can't be domesticated. And so those represent kind of the nations, you know, these pagan nations. And so, I, I mean, the idea that peace, that the pagan nation, the, the animals separate, you know, representing the pagan nations will, will, will lie down with the clean animals, you know, Israel. And so here you have this, the, the lion here that, that, you know, you won't have these Babylonian kind of lions and things like this, you know, preying on the people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it, it, it yeah there's a hope for um it's it's really about um a universal shalom uh and again bringing in some themes from last week that you know they don't um there's no longer this uh warfare is no longer a part of what it means to um to be the people of god and um so i i really think what's interesting in Psalm 35 is that it describes a God who comes with vengeance, who comes with judgment, depending upon the translation, um, with the terrible judgment, he comes to save you. Um, I, I, I often don't, I don't think that we immediately, because of the traditions we've been raised in, or because of the way the scriptures have been taught, or the way the encounter with God both in the Old Testament and New Testament is thought, we don't think of judgment as a good thing when we really ought to and um, something that we welcome because the judgments are intended to save. And um, so and the Septuagint rendering of that, um, of that passage, uh, you know, makes this a, a little bit clearer, but he goes on to, to describe what it means for God to, to show up as judge. Um, you know, and it's, it's really, it's really beautiful. The eyes of the blind are open, the ears of the deaf are stopped, the lame walk, those who can't speak or can speak. Um, it's, it's really the, the way the Septuagint says, the say to the anxious, be strong, fear not. Your God is coming with judgment, coming with judgment to save you. Yeah. And I think um, our misunderstandings of judgment, right? I mean, I think of this, this great reformation kind of term, imputation, but when we use it today, it's generally negative, like you imputed bad motives to me, right? But that's often what we do with God. It starts in the garden, right, where where the serpent says to Eve, you know, did God, uh, did God say don't eat? He said, you know, no, don't even. He said, don't even touch it. Like he didn't say don't touch the fruit, right? But all the, all of a sudden, it starts right there. Eve, Eve you know, the, the, the Eve starts to make God out to be more more restrictive, more judgmental, more. And I, I think we often do that, right? That, that we often know how judgmental we can we are right and, and our and how uh, frail and, and foul our judgments are and i think sometimes we project that onto god 
Yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no question that we do that. Um, the, it, we, we, we either project like who we would, who, who we would be if we were God, or like possibly formative humans in our lives who, um, you know, who have not really modeled justice and mercy and charity and love in our life. And, you know, it may not be something that's coming from our own imagination, but it's, we're projecting from these experiences that we've had of other, you know, uh, sort of authority figures or formative people. And, um, you know, it, it's sad, you know, that, um, because, because the one who shows up to judge, uh, according to our revelation is this one who, uh, does these beautiful things to, to, when we're blind, he makes us be able to see when we're, when we're deaf, he makes us be able to hear. And all of these things that are, that are embodied, um, like deficits in us, um, which we can also understand as being spiritual. I can be blind and not be able to actually see the room, or I can be blind and not be able to see the room in terms of what's actually going on in the world. And, and he comes to, to bring healing. The, the judgment is something that heals us. Um, you know, in Psalm 19, you know, the judgments of the Lord are good. You know, it's like, so it's, um, I, I, I want, I guess I would want preachers and I would want, you know, contemporary Christian teachers to begin to connect the goodness, the, the goodness of God that is beyond any human understanding of goodness you know the the kind of justice and mercy that we would want for our children yeah he is he is so much better than us and so uh that we would begin to to think of of his coming not as something that we are in trepidation about something that we're terrorized about something that we fear but something that we welcome and embrace we 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 embrace his uh, you know, um, from last week, we embrace the fire. We embrace the, 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 uh, threshing floor so that everything that is in us that's not of love is burned out, um, or shaken away, you know, and, um, and, and, and as obviously, uh, Fleming talks about this, you know, she, she's ready for God to, you know, take away from her the things that, you know, for decades and decades she struggled with and not been able, you know, in her own strength uh, to overcome. Yeah. Amen. On to the book of James. Here we have this reading the short James chapter five, verses seven through 10. Be patient, therefore, until the coming of the Lord. And talks about the farmer waits for this crop for, for the earth and that we're, you know, to be patient, not grumbling each other and being, being mindful that, you know, the Lord is coming and that, that, that sort of response is meant to be waited with patiently. I wonder why, here's the thing i think the reason that the apostles and and many of many people in the scriptures that are writing encourage patience is is because it's 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 that's that that is the disposition of god uh towards his creation and towards us um somebody who took 13 billion years according to you know present science to make the universe 
is not in a hurry. Yeah. Um, who took by even biblical account generations before he reveals himself to Abraham is, is a patient God, um, who, who, who waits through thousands of, you know, uh, years before, you know, the son of God appears incarnate in the world. Uh, you know, who, and who has carried, you know, 2000 years longer since that ad, since that first advent, um, allowing history to go, go forth as it is. So we, we be, we need to be a patient people because we have a patient God. Um, and, uh, it, we're, you know, we mentioned this at the beginning, but I do think seasons like advent, uh, when the culture is so anxious, when the culture is so frenzied, when the culture is so in a hurry, one of the things I've really tried to, you know, talk with the families in my parish about and individuals and, uh, in, you know, communities of friends, however, you you know, you're organizing your social world. Uh, but, uh, you know, a lot of people are, find themselves in families with children is to, um, you know, to take some time to really uh, chill out in the season and and actually do the preparatory work that you would do if you were expecting God to show up. A preparatory work that is empowered by the Spirit, um, it's not, we're not left to do this on our own, but yet we have to cooperate with the grace that's given and do the preparatory work. It's like, I, I, I'm constantly telling my people, slow down and go home. And be with your, your wife and kids. Be with your community, with your friends, with your roommates, whatever don't constantly go, go, go. You, you have to uh, be in the room with people and you have to, as Pascal talks about, you know, um, you know, uh, the beginning of wisdom is to be able to learn to sit still in your, you know, in your, in your own house under your own roof in a chair and be content. And I, I do think that the, the Advent provides us this powerful time to, to learn to um, get on God's time which is doesn't look like human time. Yeah, it's interesting. In the in Halik's book, Patience with God, you know, he has this ellipsis in the intro where he's quoting this Coptic lay person, and his name's Adele Bastavros, I think. And the quote is that patience with others is love, patience with yourself is hope, and patience with God is faith. And he talks about how mm-hmm. how his frustrations with both fundamentalism. And this kind of militant atheism is they're they're both forms of impatient faith. And then he has this great quote in the book. He says that I have often heard the ironic comment that faith is simply a crutch to help those of us who are weak and lame, whereas the strong have no need of it. It is not a crutch, but it might be compared to a pilgrim staff that assists us on our journey through life. Maybe when someone is just about to cross the threshold of home, when the staff won't be needed anymore, it falls from his hands. It's not surprising if he loses his balance for a moment, sent from the other side, from the viewpoint that we can only experience here as an assurance, as hope, beyond that threshold, at the moment we lose all supports and certainties. There awaits us an embrace of love that will not fall into emptiness. I think that's a beautiful picture of this, of this patience and how he talks about how faith goes through all these different forms. It dies and is resurrected and and. and and it requires patience, you know, uh, the, the, these patients in that three form, three form, three full form of faith, hope, and love. They're all different forms of patience. It's profound. I think um, I need to read more, Alec. Um, 
I know he's he's been a major figure for you. And I, I think most Americans don't even know who he is. And now I discovered a couple of years ago, somebody was reviewing a couple of his books and I, I picked it up and Bill Bohr and I started reading him. And for us, he's been a real, I mean, he's been this forward thinker. I mean, like he, he's kind of like, uh, he's like Leslie Newbegin in that regard. This, this just person that's seeing far ahead. I mean, it's very profound. I want to say uh, one other thing about the, you know, James is the judge is at the door, right? Yeah. Yeah. What, what, who is this person? I, I, and I guess I'm going back to Isaiah and I'm going to be talking about this when we get to Matthew too. Is, you know, we have to, um, you know, I, I think we have to remember our Bart here, you know, the judge who's standing at the door is the one who has been judged with us yeah. and judged for us and um, who, who comes um, and lives this exemplary life um, in perfect communion with the father and the spirit um and who um and 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 who offers that life of self-sacrificial love from conception to ascension uh but let's just conception to death and even descent to the dead and and, and all of that um and offers that life as the life by which all human lives are judged that's love that that's patience with us as his creature. And so when we know the judge, when we've had a personal and we had a we have a living connection with the judge, we see these things so differently. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, like Bart says the judge the, the, you could read this the gospel stories as the story of the judge judged in our place. Like the one person who's fit to judge what's good and what's bad and what's and we all we all play false judge, but the one true judge was judged in our place, you know, for sinners. No doubt. Said woman, take it slow. Things will be just fine. You and I'll just use a little patience. Said sugar, take the time, cause the lights are shining bright. On to Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 11. So good. She said, we have this, uh, here we have this text where John is in prison. It's kind of tragic. I mean, John is this figure. I talked about this in the podcast a little bit last week, in my sermon a little bit last week. He's the culmination of the prophet, so where else would he be? Yeah, and it's this sad thing where, like, Zachariah wants this son so badly, and it's not, he's not a chip off of the old block. He's not a man of the temple. He's a man of the wilderness, and he's kind of critiquing the temple and critiquing the cult. And, and I, love, I love what Mandy, like Mandy brings such great imagination to these things. Like she's like, I wonder what his parents thought of him. I wonder what, you know, everyone in the society who knew him as, you know, an heir of the, you know, power structures of Israel. And here, here he is dressed in, you know, this, you know, rough garment. Um, you know, and eating uh, locusts and honey, and, and you know, at, at the edge of society. Yeah, and and you know, this. I mean, I wonder if his dad thought he'd become a priest. You know, and he becomes this sort of, and then, but also, he's the one that gets Jesus the most in the beginning, right? He's the one that sees Jesus, behold, the Lamb of God, baptizes you, says you, you should be baptizing me, and and then he's discouraged in prison. You know, it's interesting too because. John's disciples seem like they're better than Jesus' disciples because they stay at least with him in prison. <laughs> they don't, they don't, they don't hightail it off. <laughs> and, um, you know, he says, you know, are you the one to come or shall we wait for another? Wait for someone else. And, yeah. you know, that's very, 
you know, and then he says he quotes this. You know, Isaiah, Isaiah sees the the the, the apostles see this text fulfilled. I mean, Jesus says the text is kind of fulfilled in their hearing. And yeah, and so here's you know, he's sort of saying, and I love this phrase. I love this phrase. Blessed is is the one who de- doesn't take offense at me. He's saying offense at me. Yeah. John, John is offending him. I mean, John is offended at him. Uh, like, and I, there's this great thing. N.T. Wright has this book, Twelve Months of Sundays, where it's sort of these commentaries on the reading, and he says that um, why would Jesus want to be reticent? The rest of the passage makes it clear there was already a king of the Jews, and the house of Herod had a bad track record. To put it mildly, when it came to tolerating other would-be kings, John, from whom the question had come, was after all in Herod's prison at the time. So why was John still there? If Jesus really was the Messiah, why didn't he free prisoners like John as well as giving sight to the blind? There's a dark mystery here to do with the now and not yet of the gospel, both in Jesus' ministry and after his death and resurrection. Hence, James is called to Advent-style patience. Yes, the judge is already known. And is even now at the doors, but precisely for that reason, do not expect to see everything sorted out in the present. That is both the glory and the frustration of Advent. That's really good. Yeah, this I, patience. I, I, yeah. yeah, this this tie into pain. And you know, I, I think like I, I think I talked about this last week, maybe, but uh, you know, Paul's all in his in this book, The First Christian, says where he's doing work on the historical Jesus. He says, John the Baptist was your typical first century apocalyptic prophet. The kingdom is not yet, but soon. It's right around the corner. And Jesus changes the not yet, but soon to already and not yet, which makes right. space for grace. It makes space, space for, for, well, it makes space for, you know, 20 centuries of. Right, right. Uh, 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 and, and, you know, in my view of things, I mean, it's just, you get to um, these, a lot of times you get to these questions of theodicy and, um, you know, people are asking, why, why, why does God allow these things to happen? You know, um, one one thing that we can say about the, this long progress of history is that the longer it goes, even with all of its its um, its tragedies and atrocities and um, just like and even just like individual pain that people are experiencing, more people are you know brought into existence that never had existed before yeah. and will exist forever in eternity with God. Um, so it doesn't, and it doesn't answer the question. None of these things ever really answer the question of the Odyssey, but it does bring another dimension to our understanding of suffering and the way the world. Uh, all of these beautiful people, including everyone who's listening to this, um, you know, are here because God didn't end history at, at the, you know, at in World War II or what have you. Yeah, yeah, and that, so, uh, I think that's beautiful, and it, 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 it's a call again of all the readings. I think to patience. I mean, patience. You know, that's as 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 Halik, Halik is quoting Bastarvas there. Like, faith really is patience with God. You know, and 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 this sort of, you know, allowing for the already to exist with the not yet. And I think that's the beautiful lesson of the Advent season. The um. I loved also, and I think the, I think these texts, especially Advent two and Advent three, need to be conversational. But just looking at the whole history of the Baptist leaping in Elizabeth's womb when yeah. you know the presence of, of Jesus shows, and then and then you know, and he does see him. Behold the Lamb at the at the baptism. Behold the Lamb. Um, you know, pointedly not the not the lion, but behold the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Um, I, I, you know, I, what are you doing here being baptized in the, I, I, 
I, I'm not worthy to untie your sandal. Um, and, and, and yet, you know, the one who shows up to judge his brother, you know, to judge us, as Bonhoeffer says, doesn't want to be the only perfect human, but descends into the waters of baptism, descends into the darkness yeah. and chaos, and identifies with every human person so that by our baptism, we are not drawn, we're not made, uh, we're not drawn away from the rest of humanity, but we're drawn into intimate communion with every human person by our baptisms. And and this is the one he submits to baptism and you want to, in order to identify with his brothers and sisters who are imperfect. Yeah. And his, that, and his baptism that's the one who's coming to judge us for. And his baptism would lead to the cry of dereliction where he identifies yeah. with John. Like he identifies and, with John's despair and John's yeah. sense of, yes. of, of, of yeah. hopelessness. And, and, and John, John does after all these recognitions, He's he's suffering in prison, and he does he he starts to wonder, you know, um, and and as you say, you know, Christ has his own profound moment uh, of this, um, but patience um, brings endurance. And, yeah, it, it's interesting because, like Chesterton says, only in Christianity does God for a moment seem to be an atheist. You know, like it, it, the cry of dereliction, mm. and and so yeah, that in all of our dark moments. In, in Advent season, all of life season, it's Jesus is baptized into that to bring us through it into the light. That's it, brother, right there. Ken, thanks so much for doing this and blessings in your preaching, Always. my friend. Always good to be on Synaxis. Thanks for listening to the Synaxis podcast. If you like what you heard, please go to iTunes, give it a rating, write a review, and subscribe or pass it along to a friend via email or say something about it on social media. All of those things help so much as we're just getting off the ground. Thanks to Ken for being on the podcast and thank you again for listening. And until next time, friends, fare thee well.